all the latest business news from WA. Mark my words, your weekly news briefing. Welcome to Mark My Words. I'm Mark Pownall and I'm joined by Simone Grogan, standing in for Mark Beyer. Coming up in this podcast, Lithium Deals, Qantas, BGC, Brewery Action, IR and Perth's mayoral race. Well, first up, Simone, there's been a lot of activity in the lithium sector. Let's start with Albemarle's takeover of Liontown. Indeed. That certainly kicked off a, a big week in lithium. So uh, Albemarle has previously uh, made several... Uh, made quite a bit of contact with Liontown in terms of a proposed takeover. Uh, that was revealed in March and they were back this week uh, lifting their bid to what was valued at $6.6 billion. So this is... $3 a share, right? $3 a share. Yep. So they've previously gone two fifty, and they said $3 and this is it, best and final. So that was put to the market to much excitement um, and Liontown's obviously developing uh, their Kathleen Valley project. It's the next big lithium project to, to come online. Yep. Um, as we know, Albemarle got a big presence here so this would bode well for them in, in getting more feed for their um, for their processing plants here. Um, what I thought was particularly interesting is uh, obviously uh, Tim Goida, big shareholder in Liontown, uh, it rates or values his stake at close to a billion dollars. So yeah, yeah, he's got three hundred and thirty million shares or something. It's yeah, incredible. Some, indeed. I so mean, there's a whole host of people who've been made very wealthy by this Liontown. That, that's right. Uh, well, by the whole project, but but especially by this last bid. Yeah. So they've been um, granted, uh, Miles been granted due diligence, so they'll go on in there and have a look around. Yeah. And um, look, no no time frame indication as yet, but, you know, we'll see in the next couple of weeks. Um, but there has been uh, a few reports from uh, the likes of uh, Street Talk regarding uh, a stake that could be held by Gina Reinhardt in uh, Liontown, which would certainly make it interesting if that is true. Yeah. Um, talk, I talk, I mean, I... I saw somewhere talk that they, she was nearly at that disclosable level. Um, yes, close to 5%. Close to 5%. Yes, that, that has not been confirmed, but reported quite widely. Okay. Um, and if Gina takes an interest, you you know, she's certainly got the financial muscle to uh, to uh, to have a go there. So well, we yeah, see. either disrupt the bid or Yeah, or even or have a presence. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. Or, so, or create a blocking stake. Right. I mean, you never know, do you? Right. So we will see what happens there. All very exciting. And then in more lithium news, I mean, this sort of, well, I would say, flew under the radar, but I thought it was interesting. So there's uh, the Bald Hill lithium mine. Uh, so mineral resources, and that's you know also in WA, obviously, mineral resources was, uh, looks like they were forced to come out and say that they'd made a bid for this asset uh, from the administrators of a, a company, McGrath Nickel. Um, but it looks like it's not necessarily going to be straightforward in terms of acquiring that asset. There's oh. um, a bit of a dispute on foot uh, between the uh, receivers and administrators of the company that owns this asset, yes. uh, this mine rather. So uh, we'll see how that goes. The bid value is not quite clear either, but there's a Supreme Court action uh, on foot. So whether they get hold of that, will be interesting to see. And we don't have any detail on what the complication could be? Uh, Question without notice. Yeah, so. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's complicated, okay. uh, it, you know, uh, even for the administrators, I think. Um, but, yeah, all to be revealed. All right, and obviously lithium space has been very exciting um, yes. in recent times and, uh, and, and Business News has also looked at that processing side. There's billions and billions of dollars of processing going on, which... Albemarle is part of. Absolutely. Uh, and Minrez was, but I think 
they've well they were in joint venture with Albemarle, but they've stepped away from that. If I remember, yeah, right. they were they were going to sort of develop processing lithium hydroxide processing in China, and then they backed out of that. Minres is sort of. Uh, Pretty big U-turn on developing in China. Uh, Chris Ellison still says he wants to do something here. Uh, exactly how far down the value chain, uh, the processing chain, don't know. Yep. I think everyone's trying to figure that out. You know, how far do, do we go? Um, yep. So, But he says he wants to do that. We'll see. Always interesting to watch and see Abs- what he's up to. Absolutely. He's always got an angle. Definitely. Right now, uh, Simone, big news. Uh, Qantas, Chief... Uh, Alan Joyce. Now, he stepped down as uh, the airline took on more political hits this week. Mm. That's right. Alan Joyce is gone after 15 years at the helm of the national carrier. A lot longer tenure than I sort of realised. And obviously, you know, share price in that time has done well. So I think there's a few, there have been a few uh, happy investors from a financial perspective. But Last week, uh, sorry, this week, Monday, Alan Joyce resigned uh, after, in the wake of ACCC, uh, alleging that Qantas had sold flights that had already been cancelled, uh, yeah. which is not great. So that's what they've alleged. Uh, also, uh, Mr Joyce faced a bit of a Senate grilling. And then also we've got the questions of being asked to the federal government about its decision to stop more flights from Qatar. Yeah. Uh, so... And that yeah. was sort of the beginning of this. I mean, I think Qantas has been on the nose for a while, right? Sure. It, you know, oh, absolutely. I mean, you talk about cancelled flights. That issue with selling flights that had allegedly already been cancelled mm. is a deeper problem. Mm. But even, uh, you know, the last year or so, there's been cancelled flights. There's been uh, high prices. There's been baggage lost. Mm. There's a whole lot of stuff that, uh, you know, uh, and I think the argument's been, well, Qantas got looked after by the federal government with lots and lots of money during during COVID, which, to be fair, if anything was, if any company was affected, it was airlines, mm. Mm. especially international airlines. Totally. Uh, so we all acknowledge that, but Qantas also took the opportunity to sack lots and lots of people. So, you know, that puts it at somewhat at odds with a Labor government. So somewhat surprisingly... In, the, in, in recent weeks, last two weeks ago, I think, or maybe three, the federal government decided uh, to allow uh, or to stop uh, Qatar from having, what was it, an extra 20 flights or something a week into the country. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the start of the ball rolling. You've mentioned those other things. And then I think the final straw too was that, um, well, let's actually step back a bit there. Alan Joyce was also on this sort of seemingly endless victory lap where <laughs> yes. his his departure was announced, well, months Mo- late yeah. last year yeah. or whatever, and yet he yeah. wasn't going to step down till November. Yeah. They've then they announced Vanessa Hudson coming in yeah, and she's ar- been having, you know, training wheels or whatever for however yeah, long and now he's gone, I'm, I'm off, I'm out of so here. So they've, they've got the successor, she's there, and he, anyway, it's got a little, it's the heat has got, well, it's got too hot in the kitchen oh. for him or for the company. Uh, he's been jettisoned, and now I think the other bit is he was meant to be getting 24 million bonus. Right. Uh, so that is obviously a little bit up in the air, given a bonus would normally be attached to performance. Absolutely. Performance being things like brand damage, etc. And satisfaction. I don't know if Qantas do a customer satisfaction. Or well, we don't know. Like we that. don't know what the incentives are based yeah. on. But we will see. The annual report is due out sometime this month. So everyone is <laughs> eagerly waiting to see because that should yeah. shine a bit more light on that. And it's also put a lot of pressure on Richard Goiter as well, who's chair. 
there are certainly questions yeah. ab- about that. I mean, he's been there, gosh, I can't think how long, but... Um, well, yeah. And he's obviously a very busy and successful company director. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think at some point, if I recall rightly, he said he wouldn't be standing down over it. So, I mean, that's a big... Yes. Uh, it's a big issue that on a big company mm. and it's been an ugly couple of weeks for them. A mm. uh, bit of bit of reputation damage, I in, think we could say. In, indeed, indeed. All right, now, uh, coming back locally, Simone, um, building company BGC faces a class action because of delayed construction projects. Yes, so this has been a, a problem for a lot of Perth people who have signed up to build homes with BGC and their various subsidiaries. Uh, they claim there's been delays. I mean, look, WA's construction market, it's overheated. Construction market is, is widely publicised. So uh, there's been three uh, people who got together and sort of spearheaded this class action. Um, and it's revealed, you know, this week that that funding has been secured. Uh, BGC says it plans to vigorously defend any lawsuits launched by that homeowners group. So that class action is being led by a Fremantle-based Morgan Altaruthamaya legal group uh, and the litigation funding is being secured by uh, Omni Bridgeway, the ASX-listed company. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, apparently, more than 800, 800 homeowners have expressed interest in joining the proposed class action. That's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, and, and BGC pulled out of a residential building earlier this year. It's, yeah. um, well, I stopped selling. Stop selling, rather. Yeah. yeah, yeah excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so let's get in the background here. What What's the What's the history here? Um, so, well, I suppose during the pandemic there was that. Uh, I'm not going to. Well, like stimulus. There was a lot of stimulus, um, federal and state, and that kicked off a lot of uh, new builds here in WA. Yeah. Uh, keeping the building sector going incentivised a lot of that, and that just a raft of raft of new work came in. Since then you know, construction companies have struggled to actually get the people to finish the jobs and then uh, they've been locked into fixed price contracts, which obviously now we've got these cost escalations, triggered all sorts of problems. And in the meantime, you've got people who, you know, have signed up for this. They may have a home already. They've got a mortgage attached to that. House gets to a certain stage. Now they're paying a mortgage, you know, two mortgages. And, you know, then they lose, um, I don't know, landscaping packages that have been attached to, to that home that they're building yeah. and it just goes from there. These and people are just the left inse- in the lurch. Some of the government stimulus too I think was possibly threatened. I don't quite know what happened in the end. I think the government extended it but there yeah, was, there there was may a threat have been. that if the house wasn't at a certain stage and it was started at a certain time and then at certain stages they wouldn't, mm. get, that, wouldn't get that either. Yeah. So, and I mean uh, speaking yeah. from experience you know the, a lot of the reasons you, you build these things is oh that's, you know, that extra stimulus that was the idea designed to get you know correct people to get in there and and get on with it. Stimulus, so, it so often causes more problems than it fixes. It's so interesting, you know, what, we're a couple of years on now and yeah. seeing how, Creates you know. A, it created a bubble. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think the case of BGC, and I'm obviously, uh, we're not going to get into the detail because it's, it's, it's potentially before the courts, but it's, it's worth noting, you know, that BGC, you know, maybe 15 years ago was the biggest house builder in the country, right? Yeah, well. Just based on what they did in WA because hmm. they weren't even operating in other states. Now they're still they're not the biggest in the country anymore, but they're still huge, and uh, you know, and obviously they haven't been selling for the last six months or so. But uh, you know, they'll get they will get back in the market. But it's terrible, um, ter- and it's again, it's more about brand damage, and for a company like that, that people go to to get, you know, pretty much 
guaranteed know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a terrible period for them. Uh, and I guess you could argue no one expected from, a, you know, what we were expecting during the, the pandemic, a, a complete shutdown. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, the government rightly or wrongly went, you know, I'd say rightly looked to stimulate an important market. They just, uh, like always, seem to overstimulate and get it wrong. Mm. Um, all right. Now, uh, Sound Brewing Co., Simone, is the second brewery to go into administration in the last two weeks. Um, so let's talk about that. But it's not all bad news in the sector. Mm, that's right. I mean, we could start with the good news, couldn't we? Um, so uh, these ex-AFL players, now I'm not, you have to forgive me, I'm not totally familiar with these two chaps. We've got Will Schofield and Chris Maston, uh, and along with other hotel operators and wine distributors, uh, they want to set up an urban winery and restaurant in the heart of Fremantle. Okay. Um, so those plans were lodged uh, locally through the local council, and they own a few other bits and pieces uh, in the near Margaret River by the looks of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, interesting to see that we've got people going. Footballers, going, foot- buying, uh, you know, setting up bars and, 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 and wine, wine, you know, wine bars and pubs. Right. How unusual. I know. There you go. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, on the other side, we've got these two, you know, um, two breweries in, in administration. I mean, running, running with Thieves, I certainly certainly knew that their yeah, products. That, that's and the one down there. That was in Frio as well, right? Yes, that's right. And then uh, this Sound Brewing Co's in Rockingham. Right. So, and, and look, see me, I mean... Uh, running with themes seemed to be, you know, confident it'd be business as usual, uh, but both, you know, obviously some problems there. Early days, you know, we, we never know what's going on, but it's just interesting, you know, uh, people I've spoken to about the hospitality sector, you know, they're certainly not the first to run into troubles. Um, mm. There was the eight on the point restaurant quite a few weeks ago uh, mm. that, that's had some, some issues as well. Um, it's just a bit of a funny time as everyone sort of tightens their purse strings a bit, but then also, you know, in WA, we still seem to be going out. So, who knows really that yeah, and, trying to find and a pattern maybe and other there isn't people one are starting ventures when other when when some are going into administration yeah yeah look i think i mean i guess you, you you're quite right you've got this you know uh tightening uh economic scenario um people a little more cautious even if in wa less cautious than over east um but i think there's also possibly with the brewing sector you know i don't want to call it a bubble but gee you know, the number of independent brewers that have emerged in the last uh, 10 years, 15 years, is is incredible. Right. Uh, the investment in that sector, it's amazing. Um, and, you know, maybe it just, at some point, you get too many and it gets difficult. Mm. Same with distilleries. has been yeah. one of those. You know? Yeah. And I guess the, if you've got too many of something and then you get a bit of a tightening in the market, that's when you might see, you know, the challenges emerge. Mm. And, and it may be establishing these things that are costly and people are going into it without any experience. Maybe, I don't know. I, mm. I don't know the stories behind those two that have gone into administration. And I think it's, we should be clear again that it's both, early days. both are still operating. Both right? still operate. It's administration, yeah. 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 So, yeah, totally, great. yeah. All right. Um, now, you know, getting into a bit more heavy subject here. There's a lot going on in the IR world lately. Let's start with trouble in the local gas sector. Yes. Uh, so these there's been negotiations between Chevron and the Offshore Alliance for for some time. I think it must be into into weeks now. Uh, the Offshore Alliance represents some unions, obviously. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, maritime union, and so they. Um, 
it, apparently workers at Chevron are going to start industrial action as of today, 1pm apparently. Uh, so that's going to be at Wheatstone and, and Gorgon as of as of 1 o'clock. And do we know what that industrial action... It's uh, reduced workloads, refusing to undertake certain tasks and rolling work stoppages. Alright, so we that's don't necessarily think the LNG plant's going to shut down. Not There's been no indication it's going to be that extreme. Okay. So Because that was the fear. I mean, there was a point, wasn't there, where LNG spot prices actually went up yeah, yeah. in the last few weeks because both Chevron and Woodside were threatened with this action. Yes. And that if their plants were closed down, I mean, this is not a cheap business to close. You know, you're talking billions of dollars mm. a year. Uh, you could, and it's not easy to shut down a, or this is, well, it's not easy to safely shut down an LNG plant and then it has to be restarted again, all sorts of complications. Mm. So, so Woodside have managed to avert this pre already, right? Uh, yes, yes, I believe so. Um, yeah. But then um, Chevron just still, yeah, still trying to work out, you know, an enterprise bargaining agreement for workers. So, and do we know what they really want? Uh, I mean, usual paying conditions. Um, I think Woodside workers agreement off the top of my head, somewhere around two hundred thousand odd that they've they've managed to secure. So we can only assume it would be similar. Um, but yeah, usual paying conditions. So we'll see, and and the impact, you know, because we don't know the extent of the strike, the extent of the strike action. Rather, we don't know how much it could impact production. I mean, it seems to be all part of the, the parlay of negotiations, right? I think we're quite used to seeing it here in WA. Mm. Um, so we hope there's an outcome. We'll see. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, and uh, nationally in the IR world? Yeah, so we had uh, Minister uh, Tony Burke. Uh, is it Tony Burke? Yes, it is. Um, he uh, tabled some uh, IR, long-mooted IR reforms that the Labor government's put forward. Um, they've been yeah, mooted for a while. Uh, this was met with quite a fair bit of backlash. Um, BHP's actually been quite vocal the, the whole way about this, um, uh, about um, not supporting it and how these same jobs, same pay proposals could cost them about a billion more. Yes. Uh, it's estimated they've thrown those figures out there. Um, and the tabling of these reforms, uh, proposed reforms, was met with, uh, as you'd imagine, quite a bit of pushback from the local Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And this is about the treatment of independent contractors and right. casual workers. Yeah, right? that, that, that's right. Yeah, so labour hire and, and, and how, how casual workers are paid um, and the conditions attached to that versus, you know, a full-time worker. Yep. Obviously, you know, us being a mining state and a lot of companies rely on, uh, you know, hired labour, uh, you know, significant pushback because of that. Yes. So we'll see. Obviously, you're a, if you're a casual worker, you might hold a di- hold a different view. Um, yeah, and I think it's a bit unclear, isn't it? Like the, the, the target seems to be around the gig economy, or is it? We're not, I'm just not sure yeah. whether that's... The political target is, oh, we need to look after the people who do Uber Eats and, and mm. the like. But actually, the real target is mining companies and airlines, which yeah. are seen as areas of, uh, you know, fruitful areas which are, you know, have a reasonable union representation. Um, but certainly it's those areas, especially, like you mentioned, the mining that's complained the most, from what I can tell, and certainly... Business is not on side with these changes, right? Yeah, yeah, no. There does I can't. We haven't come across any support for them. Mm. Um, I mean, just you know, going back to what you said there, um, the minister was named a, a truck driver in his speech, you know, and, and said how he's never worked in an industry where casuals are paid less than permanent workers, and so, yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, it's staunchly different views from business to the, to the to the punter working there. So, 
we'll see. Yeah, that gets pushed through, but it's going to obviously going to have to go through all those, all the political battle in Canberra to, to actually get it through. So, yes, quite right. And then, yeah. and and you know, they've got at at federal level, you know, the the Labor kind of relies on the Greens to get stuff through. Yes, at, through the upper house, and the Greens seem to attach. You know, if Labor tries to find something that's a moderate. Change. They say it's not Greens quite good enough. Greens seem to make it want to make it more difficult. Yes. Uh, and so there seems to be a lot of stalemates. And I will add that this is probably a bit of a, a sticky one that the government probably doesn't really want right now, whilst they're dealing with Qatar Airlines mm. issue and all that, um, to have these sort of things going on yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Difficult. Totally. Well, let's stick with politics then. Simone. Indeed, we're on that train. So. Basil Zemplis has finally yes. announced his intention to seek re-election yes. as Perth's Lord Mayor. Well, I mean, we'd all assumed he would, but he hadn't officially thrown his hat in the ring. You've got to fill in the form, and, and he, he did that. So right. quite momentous because everyone, you know, speculates that he's got ambitions for, for higher office, and this sort of says, you know, no, I'm, and he's always said he intends to, to run for mayor, and, and he's, make, you know, making good on that promise. So he's officially in the ring as the incumbent, um, and he's being challenged uh, primarily by uh, Sandy Angie, yep. so she's local architect, and she um, filled out her paperwork and has lodged that as well. And we've also got a, uh, there was a nomination from a UWA graduate, Will Leyland, uh, so that's been published as well. So it seems right. to be the three so of them. So he's a 20-something, is he? Uh, you'd, you'd assume. You'd right. assume. So he's he's jumping in the ring as well. So it looks like the three of them. Uh, they um, goes to election on October 21. Uh, my understanding is that Sandy has not nominated for a councillor again. Mm-hmm. So she's basically all in for mayor. Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting to and see. You can, you can do that, right? You, do, you, you actually, the mayor is a position you run for rather than... You go for council and then the count. The council don't select the mayor. The mayor's voted separately by, yes. the, by the voters. So it would seem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, you know, interesting to note, uh, Miss Angie actually, um, she had a crack at it in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, she, you know, didn't make it, but she's been a, a councillor since, you know, and she's got a very active presence around Perth, um, as is Basil. They both do. So mm. it's, um, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how it plays out. Um, Basil's brought that kind of... A uh, bit of profile to the role, uh, but Sandy's got her own profile too. You know, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. He has brought some profile, but it's been less so in the last six months to a year, hasn't it? I you mean, reckon? I think so. Okay. I don't feel the same level of it. I don't hear the same discussion. Um, you know, maybe I'm not listening. <laughs> now, interesting um, that both these candidates have a pretty strong connection back to Kerry Stokes. I, I mean, don't think that's any secret. Um, you know, generally speaking, I mean, obviously, Basil is seen as you know very, very well connected. Mm. Um, He's employed in, by him, so there yeah. You go. Well, that's a, a, a much more direct connection. Mm. Uh, and of course, there's been long speculation that Basil was going to not run for mayor and instead seek uh, office in the state in state politics. Yes, potentially as a uh, you know a parachuted in leader of the Liberal opposition. Mm. Um, do you think this puts paid to that or do you think this is just I mean, a holding pattern? He's always said he intends to run for mayor. You know, that's what he always said. Yeah. So He just hadn't done it. He just hadn't quite officially done it yet, um, you know. So I guess it says that, you know, he's, you know, 2025 is our next state election and he's not, not put his hand up for that. So mm. whether that, you know, shuts it down in future, who knows. 
but everyone's very eager to, to talk about it and know whether whether he will. Yeah. Uh, some have stronger views as to whether he will or not than others. So, and of course, Perth City Lord Mayor gives him a good platform to keep his profile up there, right? Uh, which is why the state government. There's been sort of this perception of a bit of a standoff between Perth City and the state government, yes. especially when Mark McGowan was mayor, that they didn't want to share the limelight with Basil in any yes. way, shape, or form. It was characterised like that a bit, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, and one thing to to note is that um, Miss Angie, you know, has said she'll be a full time, full term. Lord Mayor. So right. do with that mantra what you will. Well, obviously, you know, again, she's possibly throwing in the idea that Basil might not last the distance <laughs> because he may go and seek state election. So, you know, I guess that's just a, you know... It's a bit it's, of fun. It's politics. It's a political drive. I mean, yeah. It's politics. You can only ask the question. Totally, totally. <laughs> and you can only, you know, listen to the answer, whether you believe it or not, <laughs> is up to you. All right. Thanks, Simone. Great work. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.